What up? You know what? You know what's crazy? That was like you. I I've done some things in my life that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that, I guess. But that right there, I did win Battle of Floors every time. Nobody recognizes that, but in my mind, I'm like, I know what I did. I am so excited to be with you guys, and I know I don't have a lot of time here today, and I was going between two different messages that I was going to speak about, and so obviously I picked one because you can't do two, little girl. So I was going to talk to you guys quickly about don't give up, because I know you guys are in the middle of the almost the ending, and so I want to tell you guys right now, don't give up. No matter what's going on, you can finish the race, and you can finish it well. Don't give up. But that's not what I'm here to talk about, okay? Today, I'm here to let you know that all the things that I have learned, all the things that I have gone through, I'm here to tell you right now, I am jacked up, okay? I got some problems. I got some issues. But you know what the crazy thing is? You're jacked up too. That's right. So turn to the person next to you. Let them know you jacked up. I've never heard people cheer for being jacked up. That's nice. That is nice. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Basically, the Lord is telling Jeremiah, hey, look, I know the things that I've called you to, and I know everything that's going to happen. I know how you feel inadequate, but yet... I'm calling you. You are still mine. And I know some of us in here right now, you have got drama going on in your life. I know for some of you right now, you have been through things where you're saying, that's not me. I can't do what that other person does. But I'm here to tell you today, doesn't matter what kind of baby mama drama you have going on in your life. Doesn't matter what kind of family you have come from that feels inadequate. I'm here to tell you today that you're not. I'm here to tell you today that God chooses you. That no matter what happens, no, your value does not come in the things that you do for God. Your value is already there because Christ died for you. You may be jacked up, but God still chooses you. Turn the person next to you one more time. Let them know you jacked up. You jacked up, but it's okay. It, it's all right. That's right. We got a black dude in the audience. Come on. <laughs> now, for some of you sitting here, you're just like, oh, Terrence, I didn't know I was jacked up. Or I didn't know I was jacked up until you told me I was jacked up. But for me, I remember the exact moment I became jacked up. Okay? Now, you guys have to understand, my parents, they got a divorce when I was like two or three years old, and I'll never forget the day my dad, he came into the house, and he took everything out of our house, and my mom, she had to come home from work, and she had to figure out a way to take care of three boys by herself. I have two older brothers, and so my mom, she's struggling, trying to do her job, trying to take care of these three boys, and then one day, my grandma showed up. Now, you guys have to understand, my grandma, she smelled like a combination of chicken and oatmeal. I don't even know how those things go together, but they're delicious. And my grandma, she had this thing about her where she would turn to you and she'd be like, baby. And every single time she went, baby, you knew everything was going to be okay. And so I'll never forget my grandma. She would come in. She'd be cooking. She'd be cleaning. Now, my brothers and I were like, yeah, grandma's here. But 
One day, my grandma, she came into the room, and she looked at my brothers and I, and she said, babies, I'm going to have to go back home. And we're like, oh, no, grandma, that's sad. Oh, no. But then she looked at me, and she goes, but baby, you're coming with me. I was like, oh, I'm going to grandma's house. And so I'll never forget it. I ran into my room, and I got my Legos, and I got my Twinkies, and I put them in a bag because when you're three or four, got to have Legos and Twinkies. And so I'll never forget, I ran back into my brother's room, and I was just like, I'm going to grandma's house. I'm going to grandma's house. And then I remember as we're going, now you have to understand, my grandma, she lived in Detroit, and we lived in Minnesota. And so I'll never forget the day we're going to go to my grandma's house and I remember we would go to the bus station because back in the day we didn't have a Ford to be able to fly a plane. We had to take the Greyhound bus and I'll never forget we're getting on the bus and my mom she's sitting there she's crying but I'm like it's okay mom I'm going to grandma's house and so we got on the bus we drove and then all of a sudden when we got to my grandma's house my grandma turned to me and she goes baby what do you want to eat? I was like oh snap this is great I'm at grandma's house. But you have to know something about my grandma. My grandma went to church every single day. Now, some of you are like, oh, she went to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. No. My grandma went to church every single day. Monday night was prayer night. Tuesday night was women's Bible study. Wednesday night was Wednesday night. Thursday night was church-wide prayer. Friday night was evangelism night. Saturday night was getting ready for Sunday morning. Sunday morning was Sunday morning. And Sunday night was the special speaker. My grandma went to church every single day day. And my grandma, she was one of those people, she would like come to church, her whole outfit would be matching. She had the hat, she had the whole dress. Matter of fact, one time my grandma, she turns towards me and she goes, baby, I even let the Holy Spirit pick on my clothes. I was like, wow, I didn't know the Holy Spirit like leopard print. That's crazy. And so my grandma, she would like have her tambourine and hand and she would have like her name etched in her tambourine. Okay, that that's not true, but I just think it's funny. And so my grandma, she would go to church and she'd be like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And this happened week after week after week, month after month after month. until finally, I was like, I am sick of this. I don't want to be here no more. And so one Sunday we went to church and I decided I am done with this. I don't want to be here. And so in rebellion, I took off all my clothes. Now, I don't know why I did that. Maybe for me, you know, when you're four years old, you're like, mm, I'm going to rebel. I got to get naked. But that's biblical. So I remember I'm like starting to take off my socks. I'm taking off my shirt. My grandma, she turns towards me and she goes, baby, you got to put your clothes back on. Things you never thought you'd hear in church. And I said, no, grandma, I'm sick of this. And then all of a sudden, this big black dude comes over to my grandma. He goes, hey, you want me to take care of this? And she goes, you do what you got to do. I'm like, hold on, grandma. You just sold me out to a man I don't even know. And he comes down. He goes, look, you're going to go outside of the church, and you're going to wait for me out there. I was like, I don't even know you like that. Whatever. And so I go, and I stand out front of the church. This dude comes over, and he goes, you see that tree over there? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I want you to go to the tree. I want you to break a branch off of that tree, and I want you to bring it back to me. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold up. Is this a Detroit thing? I have never done this before. And so I start walking over there, and then the thought occurs to me, this dude 
is old. I am young. He can't catch me. And so I start like taking off. I'm like, I'll see you later, old man. And this dude, he must have had superhuman powers because all of a sudden, all I heard was, come back here. He picks me up with one hand, breaks a tree branch off with the other, and he starts spanking me with this tree. I have never been assaulted by a tree in my life. And then he brings me back in the church, puts me back in the pew, and my grandma, she's like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I was like, that's it. I am done with this. I don't want to be here no more. So, of course, soon as uh, church is done and over with, my grandma and I were walking down the aisle way, and then I just stopped cross my arms. My grandma, she turns back to me and she goes, come on, baby, we got to go home. And I said, no, grandma, I don't want to be here no more. I want to go back to my home. I don't want to be here. And then that's when my grandma turns towards me and she goes, baby, you can't go back home. Your mom, she gave you to me. You can't go back home. See, My mom was having such a hard time taking care of three boys by herself that she had to pick one of them to send away. And that boy was me. And I remember I'm four years old and I'm standing in that aisle way. And even at four years old, I'm asking myself the question, why did my mom choose me? Why did I have to be the one? Now, my mom later on would come back and she would get me, but that always stuck with me. And I didn't realize how bad that jacked me up until I became older. Now, you guys have to understand, I'm the type of person where I'm like, shoot, I don't need your help. I'm here to help you. How can I be of service to you? And I am married now, and my wife, she graduated uh, with her master's degree in counseling. And so, you know, I was her first patient, and she would always come to me. And my wife, she was like one of those people that would like actually read the books. And I'm like, girl, there's something wrong with you. You don't need to read them. Just Google it. And so my wife, she came over to me one day, and she was like, Terry, you have to read this book. This book is going to tell you about some of the issues in your life. I'm like, okay, first of all, ain't no book going to tell me about this. And she goes, no, Terrence, you got to read the book. And so, of course, I open up the book, and in this book, this dude has a test. And in that test, he goes, okay, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine that you're standing in front of your childhood home. No matter what age you are, when you're in there, that's the age that you are right now. Now, I want you to go inside that house, and I want you to go to the kitchen where your mom would be. What does she say? What do you want to say to your mom? Think about that, but... What do you usually say to her instead? And so for me, I would always ask my mom for something to eat because it was really easy for her to just make me something to eat. Then he goes, now I want you to go into the room where your father would be. What does he say to you when you first walk in? And for me, I'm going into this empty room because my dad's not there. And he goes, I want you to go outside the house, and you're standing on the sidewalk, and you look down the sidewalk, and there is a figure coming towards you. And you can't quite make it out until it gets a little bit closer, but then you realize that's you. That's you, the age you are right now. What is it you want to say to your younger self? And I remember I'm staring at four-year-old Terrence, and I just look at him, and I go, it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. See, 
The reason why I don't like asking for help is not because I'm some guy that just takes care of himself, but in my mind that is always etched in there, the trauma that I've gone through in my life, it says, hey, if I ask for help, then I'm going to be a bother to somebody. And if my mom can give me away and she's supposed to be the one that loves me, how easy is it for someone else to give me away and they're not my family? This is what shame is. Shame says, I'm not good enough for dot, dot, dot. And unfortunately, there are so many of you right now, you have this same shame. And your dot, dot, dot may not be my dot, 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 but I'm telling you right now, you're good enough. I'm telling you right now that God chose you. Remember, Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, there's a lot of things that I could say because when we have shame in our life, we go to two areas. We go to the people in our lives and we go towards the purpose in our lives. Now, you have to understand your shame, it thrives in secrecy and it demands your loyalty because if you talk about it, then it's going to be out there and people are going to judge you, right? And if they judge you, you're not good enough. So your shame, it says, don't say that. And just listen to what I have to say. Don't tell anybody what's going on with you, but be quiet. Like when we have shame and we go towards the people in our lives and we go towards the purpose in our life, the people in our life, it looks like this. For a lot of guys in here, uh, you know, a lot of times they're like, oh, guys don't cry. But in reality, that shame because you're saying to yourself, I can't show my emotions because if I show you my emotions, then you're going to think that I'm less of a man and I can't have you think I'm less of a man. So my emotions don't count, but that's ridiculous. God made you with emotions. God made you to feel things. And if you try to hide that, you are hiding the very thing that God put inside you that says, hey, you have my heart. And then when it comes to women, now, girls, I am not trying to mansplain you, okay? This is what my wife told me, okay? Now, when it comes to women and the shame in your life, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, you put on makeup and you're trying to hide things. But no, 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 it goes a lot deeper than that because a lot of you in here, you're trying to measure up and be the perfect wife, the perfect best friend, the perfect daughter, the perfect mother. But the thing about it is this, as you start to see that you're trying to do all these things, you start to try to cut out the things that you don't like about yourself and you try to hide those things and you try to cut those out of your life but as you're trying to look for approval from all these different people you'll start to notice that you're not good enough for anybody and so you become a shell of yourself and when you become a shell of yourself then you feel like you're nothing and what that looks like for all of us is we close off and we're like you know what I, I don't need to know new people because if I know new people they're going to see that I'm not good enough. And for some of us in here, you go towards the purpose in your life. And what does the purpose looks like? It says, hey, if I get this, these grades, then I'm going to be good enough. Everybody's going to know I'm smart enough. If I make this amount of money, then I'm going to be successful. And people are going to know that I am worth something. But when we think about like the ladder of success, and if this is a physical ladder, if you are climbing up a physical ladder and you learn that that physical ladder does not end, you're going to get tired and you're going to stop doing what 
what you're doing, and you're going to say, you know what? I don't want to do anything else because some of you, if you have not learned right now, the thing that you think you're really good at, there will always be someone better. And if you put your worth and your value in that, then you're going to say "Then I am less than that person. And that's dumb. God did not make you to have the people give you your worth and value. He did not make you to have your talent give you worth and value. It's already there. God chose you. Now, remember, uh, one of the things for me, I'm able to go to uh, schools around the country and do school assemblies when there's not a crazy pandemic going on. And I remember this one assembly, I'll never forget, it was in a gym with hundreds of students, right? But in the middle of the crowd was this girl. And every so often, she would take out this tissue, put it to her face, and put the tissue back in her pocket. Didn't matter if it was a funny part. Didn't matter if it was an emotional part. Every so often, she would take out this tissue, put it to her face, and put the tissue back in her pocket. So, of course, as soon as the assembly is over, uh, principal comes over. He's like, hey, thanks for coming to our school today. And my friend, he goes, can I ask you a question about one of your students? And he goes, oh, you want to know about Teresa. And we're like, dude, there's hundreds of students sitting here right now. How do you know which one we're talking about? He goes, talking about the girl with the tissues, right? Yeah, that's Teresa. Well, do you know why she has the tissues? And he goes, actually, none of us on staff know why. But if you want, we can call her down to the office. And if she wants to tell you, she's free to do that. We're like, yeah, that'd be really great. And so, of course, we go down to the office. And then all of a sudden, Teresa comes walking in. And she's like, hey, thanks for coming to our school today. And my friend, he goes, can I ask you a question? And she goes, oh, you want to know about the tissues? Yeah. You're going to think I'm really weird. We're not going to think you're weird. We just want to know what's going on. And she goes, well, you have to understand, my mom, she loves me, but it's just my mom, my little brother, and I. My dad left a long time ago. And on my 13th birthday, my mom pulled me to the side and said, today's the day you have to grow up. I can't afford to treat you like a baby anymore. So what that means is I'm not going to hug you. I'm not going to kiss you and tell you that I love you because that's what babies need. And you're not a baby anymore. It's time for you to grow up, start acting like it. So from that day forward, Teresa actually had to go out and get a job in order to support herself. But she goes, every single day, I watch as my mom gets ready for work. I watch as she sits in front of her mirror. She'll put on her makeup. And the last thing she puts on is lipstick. She'll take out the lipstick, put it on. Then she'll take out some tissue, wipes off the extra lipstick, throws the tissue in the garbage, and she goes to work. She goes, she does this every single day. And one day, just like every other day, I watched her. I watched as she sat in front of that mirror. I saw her as she put on her makeup. And then I saw her take out that lipstick, put it on. Then she took out some tissue, wiped off the extra lipstick. She threw that tissue in the garbage and she left for work. And she goes, as soon as she left, I snuck back into her room and I went to that garbage can and I pulled out that tissue. And now every single time I want to think that someone loves me, I'll take out the tissue and I put it to my face and I pretend it's my mom kissing me again, telling me that she loves me. The only kind of love Teresa gets is from a garbage can.
This is what shame looks like. Shame tells you you deserve that garbage love. Shame tells you that you are not worthy enough to get the full thing. Because based off of what you do, somebody's thoughts and feelings could change about you. But I'm here to tell you today, that is not what God thinks about you. You deserve the full amount of love. Because you know what? He died for you. I know God died for all of us. But remember, he died for you. You are worthy to God. You are good enough. And I know that we're running out of time here. So here's the thing. Uh, One of the things that I think really illustrates this really well is the story of the woman at the well. Now, obviously, I don't have a lot of time to go through the whole story, but basically what happened, Jesus, he's walking with his boys. He's like, look, I'm thirsty. Why don't y'all go ahead? I'm going to get something to drink. And they're like, all right, Jesus. And so Jesus, he goes to this well, and as he's at this well, the Samaritan woman, she comes walking over. She starts drawing some water, and Jesus is like, hey, can you give me a cup of water? And Well, not a cup because that'd be weird. And he, she goes, who are you talking to? And Jesus is like, actually, if you knew who was asking you for a cup of water, you would have asked me for a cup instead. And so this begins this whole dialogue between them. And she's trying to figure out who Jesus is. And so I'll just pick it up real quick in verse 14. And it says, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And then he tells her, go, call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Holy smokes! That's crazy! Jesus totally reads this woman's mail, okay? Can you guys imagine? You're at, like, the grocery store. You're sitting there. You're trying to find a box of cereal. You're looking at Frosted Flakes. Some dude comes over. He's like, I know all your business. Some of y'all will be like, oh, no, this is the devil's store. I got to get out of here. Like, Jesus totally reads this woman's mail. Now, I think and I know, at least for me and maybe for some of you in this room right now, you can relate to this woman. Why? It's because this woman has some deep sin in her life and she has shame. Why would she sleep with a man that she's not married to? It's simple because she thinks that's what her value says she needs. It's just a little bit. Why would you give up your values? Why would you do all this sin in your life? Why are you trying to feed yourself? It's simple because you don't think God can give you what you need because you're not good enough, but that's a lie. You are good enough. And you know, the thing about shame is this. It's not like, oh, shame is telling you something that's not true. Actually, shame is telling you something that's true. Yep, you do have uh, addiction. You do have this sin in your life. But you know what God's grace says? God's grace says, that's true, but I still choose you. This is why we need to come to the cross. This is why Jesus comes to this woman. And you know what the cool thing is? This woman, after she has this conversation, she's like, wait a minute, this is crazy. And she runs to the town and she's like, hey, everybody, come look. I think I found the Messiah. And the whole town comes back to meet Jesus. Think about it. This woman who had been sleeping around with all these people in an instant, 
boom, she becomes an evangelist. Why? Because she encountered Jesus. What does this say about you? It's simple. I may not know the sin that you have in your life. I may not know how tired you are. I don't know how devalued you have been, but I'm telling you right now, God still chooses you. And all you need is to encounter him. And this is not a, oh, yeah, go pray. No, pray and let the Lord love you. He says, come to me and I will make you whole. Remember, your value is not a group project. God did it for you already. It's done. Um, and I'll, I'll close with this. Um, I'll never forget, there was this one assembly, and I was talking, and I'm sitting here on the stage, and like all the students are sitting on the ground, and I start talking about the importance of a dad hug in your life. And if you don't know what a dad hug is, dad hug says, I love you, and I, you don't have to do a thing for me. Dad hug says, I think you're great, and you don't have to be the superstar athlete. You don't have to get straight A's. I just think you're great because you're you. And as I begin to talk about this, this girl in the front row begins to cry. Now, you have to understand, I'm used to people crying in the assembly, but the more I talk, the more her, her cries get louder and louder and louder and to the point where it's not even crying no more, to the point where she's just like wailing. She's just like, what? And everybody's looking on, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is really weird. I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is really weird. I don't know what to do. I can't ignore this girl right now in the front row. So I'm trying to move on, and I kid you not, I heard God tell me, Terrence, you need to hug this girl right now. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll hug her as soon as the assembly's done. He goes, no, you need to hug her right now. I'm like, right now? He's like, right I don't know if you've ever had an argument with God, but you're going to lose every time. And so I stop, and I'm like, Hey, everybody, I'm sorry. I have to take care of something real quick. Take the mic, put it in my pocket. I bend down to this girl. I go, hey, I don't know what's going on right now, but I do know this, that the reason why I'm here is because I love you like a dad should love his daughter. And if you don't mind, I would love to give you a dad hug. Is that okay? And she goes, and so she stands up, she wraps her arms around me, she's sitting here, she's squeezing me, and she's like holding me for like 30 seconds. Now some of you are like, oh, 30 seconds? That's not a long time. Trust me, when there is a group of high schoolers staring at you, 30 seconds is a long time. And so I'm like, okay, girl, you got to sit down. I have to finish this. And so she goes and she sits down. I finish the assembly. This girl comes running over to me, grabs me by the shirt, twists me around and goes, you have no idea what you did. You have no idea. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And she goes, early in the beginning of the year, my friend went to a church event, and she gave her life to Jesus. And she's invited me to church every single day since then. But I told her I don't believe in God because what kind of God would allow my dad to abuse me? What kind of God would allow my dad to abuse my mom? And she goes, I woke up this morning. I saw my dad pushed my mom to the ground. He picked up his bag, and he probably left out of our house for the last time. And she goes, and I ran to my room, and I broke everything. And she goes, I even yelled at God. And I told him, I said, God, if you're real, you will show me that I am loved like a daughter should be loved by their dad. And she goes, and you hugged me. And you told me you love me like a dad should love their daughter. She goes, I don't know if you believe in Jesus but I just gave my life to him right there. God saw worth and value to somebody that was even mad at him. And he still said, I love you. You're worthy to me. And even on the cross, think about this. Even when he is sitting there on the cross and he is dying, he still says, God, 
Forgive them for they don't know what they do. Even in his worst moment, God still thought about you. This is why you don't need shame in your life. When you walk out of here today, I may not be able to pray for you each individually, but I can tell you this, that you should not walk out of here with your head held down, that you should know that God loves you. And the sin that is in your life, the only way to get rid of it is to come towards him, come towards him and say, God, I need you. And God's not sitting there like, I'm ready to give you a big spanking. No, he's saying, I'm your father. You come to me. I will give you what has been stolen from you. You're mine. I still choose you. Jeremiah 1.5. Remember, I'm going to pray real quick and then invite Jeremy back up. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for just how awesome you are. Uh, God, I pray that each and every person in here, that they would know their value, that they would know their worth, and that God, no matter what has gone on, no matter how tired they may be, no matter how entangled in sin, that they will know that they need to come to you, that there is no separation, that their sin is the only thing that is separating them, and all they have to do is come to you. And so, God, I thank you. I thank you for choosing them. I thank you for saying they are worth it to me. Lord, I pray that even throughout this day, that not only will they know it with their heads, but they will know it with their hearts. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.